Hi. Hey, what's up? I'm good. I'm gonna. I that vocal fry was too much. I need to get my water bottle. <clears throat> get it sorted. Hey, Caitlin, how's it going? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. Ooh, I almost fell off my bed. <laughs> oh no. Okay, I'm good. I'm gonna give people a few seconds to come in. Maybe we can start like right at eight. That okay. works for me. I'm sharing the link right now too. Okay. Yeah, I will do that as well. I had so much fun watching these episodes. Me too, despite the fact that it's probably at least the 10th time that I've seen them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the 10th time, like, within, like, the last few months, even. I feel like every time (laughs) I watch an episode to get started on, like, whatever we're going to talk about next week, I end up watching the whole show. Not literally, but I... Yes. That was my problem when, when Lizzie and I were on like party hiatus because of COVID. We were uh-huh. recapping the first season of Summer House for like no reason in our newsletter. And oh, I, I had that. to, it was so oh. hard to just watch the episode for the week and then stop <laughs> because I love it so much. To, to, but to rewatch like multiple episodes of Summer House, that's doing something really crazy to your brain. Oh my God. I've seen that episode of Summer House at least twice as well. And. Oh my god. First season of Summer House is so wacky too because yeah. half the cast are just people <laughs> we have not heard from in years at this point. Totally. Um, Christina, the publicist, what a figure yes. in, <laughs> in history. <laughs> One, um, my best friend used to work with her actually way back in the day. She was in LA oh working god. in like, I mean she was in media I think like in, on like the, the writing side of yeah. stuff and Apparently, she was a yeah. nightmare, so not shocked. I can totally imagine her being a nightmare. Like, her face is one where you just, like, instantly realize exactly what kind of woman she is. Mm-hmm. Which one is this? What's her name? Christina. I'm, like, she familiar also- with it, the series from a distance, but not really. She's the one, like, basically everyone gets really annoyed with her throughout the season because she's the only one who's not, like, constantly blackout. And then... That'll create a problem. Oh, she's a reporter. (laughs) She hurt Lindsay's intelligence. She's a reporter, and at the end, she's, like, flouncing out of the summer house, and she picks up this, like, magnum bottle of rosé and pretends it's a microphone, and she's, like, um, Christina, whatever her last name is, reporting live from the summer house. I'm out! And then you never see her again. Oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Mama, I'm sorry. I'm like crying, laughing at this woman. I I need to go back and rewatch. Um, I mean, the whole show. Like Summer House was my first. My first watch of Summer House was like early pandemic. Like I did the whole thing. Um, because I needed a VPR substitute mm-hmm. once it like really went off the rails and. Uh, Summer House has definitely filled that, oh, that void for yeah. sure. I love Summer House. Okay, my pandemic watch was Southern Charm, which ended up being, I was way too darked out by. Those people are too foul. They just really teeter right over the edge. That like Vanderpump Rules is constantly approaching. Um, but no, Southern Charm, I can't do. The Southern Charm seems like stale. 
Like I, I, I feel like it's what Vamber- Vanderpump Rules has become. Like none of the drama is yeah. really drama. The drama is fake, and then there's like weird moments where, like John Pringle is like, "Well, my family has owned this mansion for eight generations, but in Charleston, but I don't know if they owned." <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is def putting on blinders. Like <laughs> so awful. I had to tap out. Um, once the Thomas Ravenel drama got super criminal and awful. And oh, yeah. it, I mean, but that, that was like a long time ago at this point, but those yeah. first few seasons are super good. That's like the risk with all the Bravo shows. I feel like, like they're kind of always rolling the dice that one of the cast members is going to turn out to be like actually evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the dice are not in their favor. no, <laughs> Before we get into it, Jax is Jax from Vanderpump Rules. Is he like, are we, is he certifiably evil evil or just stupid? He's really, really stupid, I think. He's not, nobody on Vanderpump Rules is evil. Vanderpump Rules is a stupidity mm-hmm. show, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, if there's a tier below evil, like, gutter, I think they are all gutter, but no one's actually in full like criminal megalomania behavior like if you watch city you're like jen is evil if you watch beverly hills erica jane is evil like i think lisa renna is also evil too but it's maybe that's strong i feel like i'm on the wrong side of history but i i i have been like really going back and forth on like maybe lisa renna is right and we need to hold Kathy Hilton's feet to the fire for allegedly saying an F slur in a club. And well, I do. I agree with all of that. I do. Kathy definitely allegedly said it. I, I believe that wholeheartedly, but I, I can't support Lisa Rinna anymore. It just, it is what it is. Like it sucks that we're at this junction, but yeah, just can't do it. I think um, we can, get started um and people will filter in whenever they want all right one moment pulling up my dock all right guys welcome to girls room where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s HBO <laughs> girls <laughs> it's true i'm julia and with me i have my incredible co-host drew haskins we also have a very special guest Atlantic staff writer and author of the new book, Everything I Need I Get From You, How Fangirls Created the Internet as We Know It, Caitlin Tiffany. Welcome to the girls' room. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. And I have to say during our green room chatter, we were talking about Lisa Rinna, and I realized that she comes up in this episode, in one of these episodes. Of she does. Yes. <laughs> that made me scream out loud. Like, Her name is I, mentioned in a really... Uh, uh, I think I didn't know who she was when I first watched the show. So this was like genuinely a moment for me when I rewatched and I was like, what? Lisa Rinna? Oh, yeah. No, at the time this was out, she wasn't on Housewives yet. So it was even more of a deep cut reference. Like the only thing Lisa Rinna did in between Melrose Place and Housewives was Veronica Mars, essentially, which I'm not sure Elijah would be referencing. But maybe he was talking about her stint um on the on the Great White Way in Chicago. Oh, we can only hope. We (laughs) we can only hope. 
I feel like he was probably, I mean, we will get into this later, but I feel like he was probably referencing her as like an early Bravo celebrity, right? But she wasn't. Was she? Was she, she joined the show in 2014. Yeah. Okay. Regardless, I. Yeah. We both, we'll get into the nitty gritty um, once we discuss that harrowing scene. But Caitlin, <laughs> I'd love to just hear about your relationship with girls and like how you came to the show and yeah, where you were in your life when it came out. Okay, girls is one. I have a. Um, long-standing relationship with girls it's very important to me the first time I watched it was when I think I came in like maybe season two or three it was airing when I was in college and I was watching it in like a library corral um and at that time when you're like 20 you think mm-hmm. the message of the show is like oh my god when I go to New York I'm gonna make all of these like sexy mistakes and my life is going to be so dramatic and things are going to be confusing but it's going to be high art um and then I just rewatched it pretty much every year since I've moved to New York and I feel like you get something different from it every time um like starting to recognize experiences you've actually had in the show and kind of thinking like well I guess that wasn't art. It was just a thing that I let happen to me and nobody saw it. (laughs) Um, So sometimes it's kind of sad, but um, I love it so much. I hate the way it ends. I do not, I do not recognize Judd Apatow's creative vision in um, forcing everyone to become a parent in order to um, become an adult or like be redeemed for their misdeeds. Um, But I still think it's like one of the most amazing television shows uh, of all time and so well written and I love Lena and I and I kind of don't care um about any 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 weird thing she said I'm being honest yeah I think you're in good company here Drew and I are on the record as Lena lovers um (laughs) I like these are slightly cringy episodes that we're gonna get into for various reasons but like I just like the writing in this by and large is so sharp and I just think she has such a good perspective on like how people in their 20s actually live their lives and interact with each other especially within like the context of friendships like it's just it's Mm -hmm. perfect so perfect Mm -hmm. she's also having a great moment because she was just on well she has like movies that just came out that everyone has been positive about but I also just listened to her on how long gone the like um you know, fashion hype beast dude podcast. Mm-hmm. And they had previously talked about her and called her like a heifer. And mm-hmm. clearly they're just like, they oh, invited no. her on the show, I think like potentially more or less to embarrass herself. But then she was like so smart and funny. They were just cracking up the whole time. And you could tell that she had completely won them over. Um, and I, I just thought it was really inspiring. I was fully like, fist pumping while stirring my risotto or whatever I was doing that really is like the power of Lena Dunham I feel like (laughs) she she does everything she can to be annoying and she just is still so like brilliant and charming Mm -hmm. despite it all Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um how do you think the show holds up in your eyes since you've you've mentioned you watch it like once a year now might also be a good time to chat about the Emily Nussbaum season two review that we were oh, texting about. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, like, obviously there are, there were a lot of criticisms of girls when it was airing and I don't think that all of them were completely off base, but I do feel like it was being analyzed, um, at a time in like, uh, internet writing history where there was a lot of young people who were sort of tasked with just creating content about entertainment, um, and weren't necessarily actually critics. And we're just kind of writing in this, um, spirit that was really heavily informed by Tumblr and just like imposing this sort of moral uh, framework on every single thing that they watched. Um, and like, if, if you're approaching girls from the perspective of like, this is the only TV show that exists, like it would be really valid to say, um, Lena Dunham is really blinkered and she hired all these Nepo babies and has like made this TV show um, that that is called girls but isn't representative of girls mm -hmm. um, but then critics like emily nussbaum who were writing at the time i feel like also it's really rewarding to read their stuff now because she was digging into sort of the history of like literature about privileged women who get themselves into these really cringy situations in new york because of their um relationships with men or their like relationships to the idea of men or to the idea of um like being artists but um like subjugating that artistry to a man's artistic journey mm -hmm. um and I, I don't know i mean i i think like the more that i watch it the more that i can see that that these are women who um come from immense privilege and are still like being humiliated in <laughs> fascinating <laughs> ways um in service of some kind of weird lofty ideal about what it would be to be like a bohemian interesting woman but they they can't quite figure out like if they actually are interesting yeah i i was really struck by this piece in conversation with another emily nussbaum review from the same year about sex in the city Mm -hmm. And how Carrie was sort of this, like, essentially the first TV anti-heroine on the same level that, like, I don't know, a Tony Soprano or a Walter White is. Mm -hmm. And, like, someone who is unlikable, but not because they're necessarily doing villainous things. Like, like th their crime is being unlikable and clueless and narcissistic and privileged and like a bad friend and like that is a sin that provokes a stronger reaction in a lot of viewers than i don't know cooking math i haven't seen breaking bad so <laughs> that was like not a great comparison but like the the piece was i think the sex in the city piece is from like a few months after um this girl's review was written and like she talks about like how lena is sort of carrying that torch but not necessarily in just like creating a sex in the city facsimile, facsimile but like mm -hmm. carrying on the anti-heroine tradition, except now there are four of them instead of just Carrie, arguably. Yeah. And like, I think also carrying on the sex in the city tradition in the sense that there are these like archetypes of womanhood, but then she like fills them out in weird ways, like Shoshana being um, the prude or like Marnie being the like uptight bitch or Jessa being the like libertine character but then they're like they don't resemble the sex in the city proxies of them really in any way because they are like much more specific to 
um, the, you know, millennial post-grad era. Totally. She also, at the end of the article, Nussbaum says something about how she thinks it'll be like the beginning of TV as this female-led medium and like this place for messy kind of not perfect women to work out stories in real time. But I, I don't know, look, like reading this in 2022, I feel like it, it didn't really pan out. I mean, yeah. you could also just blame like streaming for that, but. Yeah. It's not for lack of trying. I mean, no, the TV but... landscape is so oversaturated right now that like, whereas 10 years ago, Girls was such a water cooler show, even though the viewership was never like crazy high, but it was just <laughs> such a talking point in a way that, I don't know, something like Dollface is not. Dollface, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Good call out. Who's in that show? Like Brenda Song? Uh, I think... Yes, and Kat Dennings, who like definitely should be in better things, but well, that's a different podcast. <laughs> oh, the Kat Dennings discourse. We'll start that next week. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out yesterday if she's still engaged um, to the party hard guy because somebody came dressed as him to my Halloween party, and then I was like doing a deep dive. I uh, think they're married now, right? I don't know. I couldn't find answers. Wow. Weird that you wouldn't be able to find answers. We'll, we'll I guess mean, I, I didn't though. try that hard. Like, I could have plumbed her Instagram a little deeper, but I was just Googling, and all of the news items were old. There was no confirmation. Anyway. <laughs> um. Oh, okay, no, no, I'm getting confirmation. She is her partnered with Andrew WK, mm-hmm. who is yeah. not, he's not in Party Hard, is he? No, no, no. He is the party, the party down. No, Party Down is a TV show. Oh, he, okay. I thought you were talking about Party Down. Oh, oh Adam Scott. Oh, that's real. <laughs> yeah. Andrew WK is the guy that's like, no, the he, Mart is like the blood on his face. And yeah. he, I was reading like a Yahoo Sports article about how some of it was his own blood and he punched himself in the face, but he couldn't get enough blood. So then he went next door to like a, a butcher in Greenpoint and got like pig's blood and put on his face. Anyway, oh my gosh. <laughs> in my own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, in neighborhood of girls. That's very true. Hannah living in Greenpoint means a lot to me. Um, but before we dive into recapping these two episodes, we must know which which girl are you? Um, I mean, I you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a Hannah and I'm a Carrie. What do you what do you for <laughs> me? Same girl, same. I'm the one exploiting everyone around me for content, and those are just the facts. <laughs> Amen. Drew is um, a born again Marnie, right? Yeah. <laughs> not have you. That's a good one. Marnie is yeah. my favorite character, despite not being the one who represents me spiritually. And who is I your girl's that. boyfriend? Oh, sorry, Drew. Did you have another Marnie note? No, I was just saying, I think she's my favorite character, too. Like, this episode really, or these pair of episodes really made me laugh with her. Like, I just, I really have grown to love her. She's so funny in this episode. When she's like, I talk to my friends way worse than this. Oh, that was, that line is ingrained in my mind. Oh, my God. Um, But who is your girl's boyfriend? Um... None of the men on girls are desirable in any way. Wow. 
Um, little? No, <laughs> I couldn't possibly. Wow, that's the first answer we've gotten. I mean, Adam Driver's hot, but sure. you know, I wouldn't know what to do with all that sexual energy. So, <laughs> very diplomatic. That's fair. It's overwhelming. All right, let's dive into the season two premiere. Um, Lena starts with this like famously controversial scene, as we've kind of teased. Um, she's having sex, or Hannah is having sex with Donald Glover, and she's saying, I think they're saying it to each other. You wanted this so bad, now you're getting it. It's about damn time. And the episode's called It's About Damn Time. And Fox viewers kind of understood this as Lena talking like directly to the audience, um, like addressing backlash around her not featuring black characters. And then that received more backlash. What did you guys think when this came out or how are you looking back on it? This kind of the, one of the first Matt at Lena Dunham moments. Hmm. I mean, I, I do feel like people were already mad at her from season one, you know, it was like kind of the first wave of the Nepo baby discourse, like Allison Williams is Brian Williams's daughter, mm-hmm. um, you know, Zasha Mehmet, whatever. Um, I gotta say, I probably wouldn't have been astute enough to pick up on that when I was in college watching this, that the about, it's about fucking time mm-hmm. reference was some kind of snub at her critics. Um, I guess I can only say that I hope that if that is the case, that like Donald Glover was in on the joke. Um, Otherwise, otherwise it's yeah. to me. <laughs> One thing that Julia, you wrote down in our doc was that Donald Glover had a lot of input. It seems over the dialogue that he was saying. Yeah, a lot of. Um, I I think it's in the next episode, but there's a uh, Hannah and Sandy, Donald Glover's character, get into a fight, and he hurls some disses at her, and Lena Dunham said like that was almost all him like every diss against white women was Donald Glover Mm -hmm. like just kind of skewering this like uh, social justice warrior character this liberal Mm -hmm. white feminist Mm -hmm. wait I just want to add that before Lena Dunham's having sex with Donald Glover in this episode Marnie Mm -hmm. is getting fired from her art curator job downsized Oh, down. She's getting downsized. <laughs> and Boss's explanation for why she had to fire her is because she's having has been having sex with the other curator. And Marnie's protest is like, Julian spelled Yoohoo on a print. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and what did she say? It was a lesser print. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Then it cuts to Lena's big moment. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean. Oh yeah, go on, Julia. Just that that whole that quick scene between Marnie and her now former boss is so like so many good quick lines. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like uh, they're standing outside Cynthia Rowley and um, what's her name? The boss says now come like after she downsizes her, she says, "All right, come in and tell me if these like pants made of scuba material make my ass look insane or something." <laughs> <laughs> Just the boat completely out of touch i drew i think you said she was played by lena's mom no No, so the gallery in where that marnie interviews at that's Lena's mom. okay okay scratch that from the record um but maybe to go through this episode we can start with hannah's storyline and then Mm -hmm. move, move through each girl yeah 
So when she's like having sex with Donald Glover, or well, they're actually they're making out in a bookstore or whatever. Oh yeah. She's basically presenting to him like her theory of the relationship, which is like, I'm only gonna make responsible decisions and I'm not gonna show up in the middle of the night. And she says, like, everyone I've dated is dementos and slugs and weirdos. I used to like any guy who liked me, (laughs) which really hit me where it hurts. I used to date any guy who liked me. (laughs) It's a little too close to home. Yeah. So that's the premise. And then they also foreshadow that Lena is like, or that Hannah is like caretaking Adam because he got hit by a truck at the end of season one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the the scene in the bookstore is just kind of makes it clear from the start. Like Hannah's kind of using him, mm-hmm. not in such a dramatic way, but more like, you know, she doesn't want love right now. She just wants something fun, which also like plays into the whole, like, you know, tokenizing narrative or she's just like experimenting with being a different sort of person and she Mm -hmm. like thinks that it has to do with like growing and becoming more mature about relationships but potentially that's not what it's about yeah oh god it's I don't know her whole thing with Adam also is just hard to stomach Mm -hmm. she is like spending a good amount of the episode in his apartment um playing caretaker and it's kind of just she's painted as the monster here when he just got hit by a car because he was yelling at her so it's just this kind of manipulative maneuver I feel like she's like fully great performance from Adam oh yeah when he's like convincing her that she should stay with him he's like I came, you came hard, we all laughed. <laughs> that, another line that's forever burned in my brain, he says, uh, um, I, you said I made your whole body feel like a, cl- a clit, and she said, I didn't say I that. Never said that. I never said that. <laughs> so funny. Yes, you Watch, did. Watching her hold like a chamber pot and having him just like roll over on his side to piss was so degrading and upsetting to watch. I could not believe it. Like, they just have such an awful, toxic relationship. Like, he's so manipulative. Yeah, and she's, like, such a narcissist. Yeah. It's it's bad. Um, and he says, when you love someone, you don't have to be nice all the time, which is another, like, come on. Mm-hmm. I'm sure when I watched that when I was 19, though, I was like, well, he's right. And maybe that's true. Up with him. He really knows you. <laughs> Which is why the show ages like a fine line. Mm-hmm. And you'll note, like, at the end of the episode, after promising Sandy that, like, she's not going to show up places in the middle of the night, she fully just shows up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. at Donald Glover's place. Mm-hmm. And asks to borrow the fountain head because he's a reporter. Oh, my God. <laughs> so funny. Um, I think we should talk about Hannah and Elijah's party so it's their like kind of housewarming party and there's a a lot unfolds here Mm -hmm. so Shosh we'll start with Shosh she like comes in wearing this derby days headpiece just kind of acting like a huge freak the whole time (laughs) like (laughs) singing beautiful girls on the karaoke machine alone um and just kind of uh across the room from Ray and 
we eventually learn that Ray ghosted her because she sent like these weird emoji filled texts and they made no sense and he forgot what she was like as a real person. Mm-hmm. Which totally, that hit home to me as like someone who in friendships and relationships is like constantly sending like memes and I feel like online speak has poisoned my brain and I mean, yeah, it definitely felt very prescient. I did laugh when Ray was like, you send me a panda emoji next to a gun next to a wrapped present. <laughs> like, I, that's, I, I mean, I, that's just inscrutable. I would love to know how Shoshana's mind works like in that sort of communication. Yeah. I remember it being like a thing in the next day write-ups of this episode that she like walks into the party and she's like, I may be deflowered, but I am not devalued. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a good line. Um, she, yeah, I, I also thought this was just kind of like a very real thing to happen to these two people and like kind of a sharp zoom in on modern dating and just their situation, like that this kind of Gen Xy barista kind of becomes un- disenchanted with her because mm-hmm. of distance and her online habits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or her like the way she presents herself through the phone. Yeah. And she has this like kind of um, incongruous way of processing the situation that I think like doesn't immediately make sense to him either where she's like, um, you know, she's like, Oh, hello. Good. Bye. Like, I'm not going to talk to you. That is called self-respect or whatever, you know? Um, and I, they eventually end up making out due to, like, beer, I guess. But um, their communication styles are very different, which is why this relationship is not one for the long haul, tragically. So much of Shoshana's behavior in this episode is just, like, sex in the city down. Like, she's just yeah. pretending to be this cosmopolitan New York woman that like, and it, it's like she's parroting behaviors that are not like real life at all. And mm-hmm. it's like her like turning and like stomping away is just, it's like a TV response. It's not like something that like real people do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we should also talk about Charlie who brought Audrey Gelman, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his new, his new hippie girlfriend. Um, and there's not much to say about Charlie other than he just kind of reveals his shallow relationship with her. You know, like there's a moment where he's talking to Marnie and it's it's clear that, you know, they're both unhappy. He's like, she comes home from work and she has so much to say and, and I do too. <laughs> um, but my favorite part of the, of the Audrey Gelman appearance is when he's waiting for her out. He's waiting for her outside of the bathroom of the apartment because he doesn't want her to exit the bathroom and not know anyone and have to walk across a room <laughs> by herself. Um, so Marnie comes over and is asking him if he's in line and he's like, no, Audrey's in there. And she's like, she's behind this door. And then, he, <laughs> then she comes out and she's so annoyed with him for waiting. And she's like uh-huh. gesturing around a Tecate tall boy being <laughs> like, is there any weed at this party? I just, I think Audrey Gelman's actually gifted. It's yes. I said the same thing. It's like such a perfect (laughs) little comedic performance. I'm kind of surprised she is not in more of this show. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lena really burned that bridge, I think. 
<laughs> um, we also see Marnie at this party just being incredibly vulnerable. Like, you know, she's she says that one thing to Charlie, like, oh, I think I could go eight months without sex and I'd be totally fine. And then she asks Hannah, like, what's going on? Are we less close? Like, she's just clearly the vulnerable one now, you know? Mm-hmm. No boyfriend, no job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Elijah's boyfriend is really drunk, so Hannah has to kick him out. This is also a great comedic moment. The way that Lena Dunham runs is so funny. <laughs> she, like, lures him out of the apartment. She's, like, sprinting back into the apartment, like, elbows going, like, the girl from the ring. It's, like, amazing. I love her. <laughs> oh, God. I Elijah's drunk boyfriend is also just kind of a perfect little moment. Oh my god, when he says, when I was your age, I was snorting coke off of twinks with my tits out. (laughs) So good. Yeah. How boring. Also very true to life, like, a gay guy in their 20s getting involved with, like, a brief dalliance with an old cokehead, like, (laughs) it's, it's very rite of passage, so. Speaking of Elijah, we see him and Marnie after the party they're the last ones left they're like singing drunk karaoke we know they're both um proficient singers and they're like totally overperforming. um and then and then it happens the the big moment okay but first they're talking about his potential breakup with his boyfriend and he's saying like oh george pays for everything this is gonna be so annoying and marnie's like i I could never be a gay man. I hate giving blowjobs and having anal sex, I assume. <laughs> I assume. Another th- line before the hookup, um, he says, what is, Elijah says something like, bisexuals and Germans, the only people it's okay to hate, and I happen to be, bo- to be both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he talks yeah. about, crucially, she, like, asks him, Uh, he like mentions like maybe he's bisexual and she's like well do you ever feel attracted to a woman and he's like well (laughs) if I see Lisa Rinna or Allison Janney something will happen the big moment we teased to earlier oh Oh, my god so funny I mean this sex scene is just so hard to stomach it made me want to die like when she slaps him twice and then she's just like, okay, why not? Like, I. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's uh, also, it's just sad. Like, they're both in this kind of desperate who am I phase. Mm-hmm. Someone who is not me needs to graphically describe how this um, sex scene unfolds <laughs> and then um, reaches its tragic end. Okay, I think that's a great idea. Drew, do you want to do it or? Okay. Well, <laughs> so. Sorry to totally. Um... Okay, so my plate. Elijah tries kissing Marnie. Marnie slaps him, <laughs> and he's like, "Ow!" Always with the slapping. <laughs> so funny. Um, then he tries again, and then she shoves him. But then he's like, she like feels his hard chest, and then he like grabs Marnie's boob, they start making out, and then, like, immediately get to sex. And Marnie's like, go get a condom, which, for whatever reason, that I was just, like, I was washing this through my hands at this point. And... So bad. And then he, like, can't get it up, and she's, like, 
and he asks Marnie why she's rolling her eyes at him. And there's this little back and forth about the rolling of the eyes. And then they just like sit on the couch. It it, it was, it, this show has a lot of super uncomfortable sex scenes. And this was beyond the most uncomfortable we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I was gritted teeth, like, flush the whole time i i was really really not well (laughs) watching this but the show really does a good job of like depicting the worst and like most embarrassing kinds of sex you can have this to me felt a little sitcom-y though in a way this show doesn't usually go i think i said in the last episode i said that i think these two episodes are the worst episodes of girls and i sort of stand by that like there are a lot of really funny moments but this to me just felt so like it was it was funny obviously but it was so just like out of left field and i didn't believe that these characters would actually do something like this Mm -hmm. it's just like I kind of believed it. I mean, just seeing both of them in this vulnerable place, like neither of them quite sure, you know, who they are. Elijah's clearly like unhappy in his relationship enough to be like, well, maybe this will work, you know, mm-hmm. but maybe not. I can see Marnie doing it because she's so like ravenous for attention and especially for attention that regards like, her being pretty and good at singing. Um, but yeah, I think it stretches credibility a little bit that Elijah would do it as as well, like the character is written. But well, we have to talk about Rita. We have to talk about oh Rita God, Wilson yes. because Before that is having such a like floundering, free spirited, kind of mean girl mom makes Marnie click into place so much. Um mm. And I think this is some of the best, like, guest casting in TV history. Like, Rita Wilson is perfect as this woman. Just so believable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I completely agree. I feel like her, um, (laughs) everything we know about her is she lost 34 pounds. Um, She's dating a hot cater waiter. Like, she's just, she is exactly who marnie's mom is you know and she she has this thing where she wants to be like how some moms want to be their daughter's friend instead of their mom yes like she would come into the city for the day so that they could like have lunch in manhattan and drink wine at a outdoor table and then she's just berating her about all of her choices and like what her body looks like yeah oh my god when she says can i be be honest you look 30 years old (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Mm. Yeah, really. I wish we see. I wish we saw more of her, but it, it is a great cameo. Yeah, it's great. Um, I love that the show goes pretty much directly from Marnie and Elijah's sex scene to arguably the an even more cringe scene, which is Jessa with cornrows oh oh, and no. her new. <laughs> financier husband Thomas John cutting in a cab line as he yells no hablo we're Mexican we don't know the rules (laughs) oh my it it really is the perfect like transition (laughs) that's why I sometimes like when people I guess like it's hard for me to ever know exactly 
like sometimes you think Lena Dunham maybe is a little bit blinkered and maybe doesn't understand exactly the context of her privilege but to me like the juxtaposition of those two scenes is like she knows exactly what she's doing and she knows exactly how absurd these people are like this is deliberate caricature it definitely is and I think a lot of the critiques of this show are done in bad faith and like I like you said like the ending is the ending of the whole show is more of a Judd Apatow problem almost than a Lena problem. Mm-hmm. I think the worst sin of these two episodes, like especially as it regards the Donald Glover character, it's just, it's a bad concept. Like introducing yeah, okay. your first like recurring guest of color and making him a black Republican is just, it, it's a really weird choice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I don't think pays off. No, I think she was trying to make a point, and I don't know what that point is. Like, and oh, it's yeah. like way less true to whatever like slice of life or whatever like cultural moment she's doing with the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Like in the t- early 2010s, was that like a thing? Were people talking? I don't think people were talking about like uh, Brooklyn black Republicans. You know, it's no. I think she was trying to be like, okay, y'all wanted representation. Well, here is a really bad character that that is not like a a good reflection of like what life actually is. Mm -hmm. And maybe, yeah, she was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) No, I just, that was a weird point to make. It's maybe a little trollish. Like, Mm -hmm. well, this is the best I can do and I'm aware it's bad. So don't ask me to do it again. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what she was going for with it. Or like she was maybe like poking fun at herself saying, I don't want to like try to do an accurate representation of a black man living in Brooklyn. You know, like that is not my, that is not for me to say. So I'm going to just do a a character. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but um, we, we, can talk a bit more about that relationship in the next episode. Um, just to finish up this one, Marnie goes to Charlie's uh, after her um, Elijah failed hookup, and she says she wants to sleep next to someone. Um, so that we leave on that, or after that, actually, no. Hannah goes to Donald Glover's to buy, borrow the Fountainhead. So all the night, yeah. Yes. <laughs> So we're we're left with those two scenes. Mm-hmm. And then I think we can go into episode two unless anyone has any any notes they wanted to um touch on. Is it gonna disrupt the um the flow if I audibly pour myself a glass of wine? No, I think it'll add. Yeah, <laughs> definitely will enhance the experience. Yeah, the ASMR. Perfect. Um don't mind me while I move about my home. No, please. No, no about you, please. Um, <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, you know, it's whatever the cheapest Sauvignon Blanc was at the at the local wine store. It appears to be um, from France, but imported via Nisa Imports of Dallas, Texas. <laughs> I hear they do the best Sauvignon Blancs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... Okay, season two, episode two. Elijah, we open on Elijah, who's telling his boyfriend he had sex with Marnie. <laughs> which is 
I don't know. A really, a really good back and forth. We have Hannah in the next room doing video aerobics. <laughs> yes. And then they're keeping it from Hannah, um, or Elijah insists on keeping it from Hannah because he, you know, rightfully thinks that she will be offended because she has to make everything about herself. This is also when he's defending himself and he's saying, it was like three pumps. It was like two and a half pumps. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, uh, the boyfriend's like, what are these pumps? It, it, It is also just a good moment to kind of see the differences between them and how Elijah's, you know, just young and not sure of himself. Yeah. He also responds to being broken up with by this older man by saying, are you having a stroke? <laughs> Which is very, like, tantrum-y. It's very, like, teenager to parent type of retort. Oh, my God. It yeah. Is. I mean, I do think the boyfriend makes a good point about not wanting to date someone who, like, like when you're in two different life stages like that, it does make mm-hmm. sense to date someone who is on your life stage. It def- those words would ring truer if we had not seen the boyfriend make a complete embarrassment of himself like agreed yeah near, like an episode prior but still a salient point I think it also takes them many seasons to start taking Elijah's romantic life seriously and like unfortunately it is kind of just played for laughs in these early seasons yeah once they get to like Corey Stoll, it's mm-hmm. definitely a better exploration of, I think, a similar theme that they're trying to work on right now. Definitely. Um, meanwhile, we have Marnie, who's like too qualified, but not qualified enough for these art jobs she's going out for. And I think mm-hmm. that's where we see Lena Dunham's mom. Yeah. Lena Dunham's mom is like the like stylish prim Manhattan lady running an, an art gallery, but like low-key, visibly, unabashedly abusing her assistant <laughs> and like demeaning her by making her like recite how she's supposed to make the tea. Um, I thought that was really good. Exactly. It's also this, um, I don't know, this kind of look into, of course, Marnie has this gallerina job and of course, you know, that's like, I think she says, it's not like pop stars. We don't need a million of them. I think that's what, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't. <laughs> She's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's true. But okay, to dwell on the Lena's mom character for a second, I mm-hmm. feel like um, the way that she toys with Marnie, basically saying, you know, like, I could give you a job, but I'm not going to because I don't see you in the art world. Mm-hmm. She, like, she like makes a little bit of like a dig at her and Taylor suit but also yeah. complimenting her on being, like, so poised and pretty. I felt like there was something, to me, really resonant there about the way that, like, women of an older generation kind of um, maybe, like, play with, in a sadistic way, the futures of women in a younger generation. Like, my second job out of college was at this, like, feminist zine that was, funded by an advertising agency and every every like older one every gen x woman who worked there was just so effusive with um you know compliments and um like uh, language about empowerment and um you know about how amazing everyone was 
but then behind our backs, they were like totally out of money and about to tank, potentially tank all of our careers, you know? (laughs) And I feel like they like really just like in a moment, it was so ridiculous. Like how much this character played by Laurie Simmons was willing to just be like, well, your life is a little bit of a joke to me. So have a nice day or whatever. Like, the, really scene also, the scene also speaks really well to how like like she's just overqualified at one point which i think is this conflation of like class and wellness speak and how that's sort of weaponized mm-hmm. against people to keep them down mm-hmm. and i don't know i just a lot of really interesting little layers to this scene that i thought like it it's clearly like a slight throwaway but I don't know. Just a lot of Lena's just a very dense writer with mm-hmm. with stuff like this. I did laugh when the woman was drinking a green juice out of a cup the size of one of those like hurricane cups you get at Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's. I mean, yeah, she is like a perfect character and kind of a perfect. Um, I don't know vehicle for Marnie to. I don't know. Look at herself in the mirror. Hmm. And Marnie ends up getting a quote-unquote pretty person job as a hostess. So, like, catering to rich men and almost, I mean, it's not a gallery assistant, but I feel like it's in the same, um, I mean, a gallery assistant is also kind of a pretty person job. It's like set dressing for sort of the cultural institution. Yeah. Um. Totally. I love when Shosh is like, you could totally make money off of how pretty you are. And uh, she, uh, Marty goes, well, I'm not like a model. And Shosh is like, no, no, of course not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like immediately is like, no, 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 no. Okay. Also, Shosh and Ray just like lounging in bed somewhat naked talking about how they'd like to bathe the pig together and Marnie coming in and sitting at the vanity and like complaining to them about her job interview was really funny to me but I was also like this isn't a real situation that would no I mean it's kind of like it's very college yeah no I guess yeah maybe it's part of the like arrested development vibe of the show but I truly can't imagine like any friend of mine just like walking into my bedroom while I'm in bed with a boyfriend and being like yeah I had this horrible job interview (laughs) I I think it's the way Marnie and Hannah live together and Marnie's like trying to replicate that dynamic again with Shosh and it's just not it's just not the same yeah wait speaking of Hannah we also skipped over how she's laying in her bed in the like uh, sleeping bag outfit watching oh a YouTube video of Adam singing that he's <laughs> standing outside <laughs> not making a sound yeah I think we can around and I then- think we can do the the Hannah breakdown if we want yeah please because Elijah's saying that he's not going to shoot himself at the end of this right <laughs> <laughs> it really made me laugh like, and then when he's like assuring Hannah that Adam's not going to murder her, he she's like, "Well, you basically are saying you don't think he loved me enough to murder me." Yes, no, I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, oh and also God. Hannah saying, "I always march to the beat of my own drum." Ever since I cut my tank into a halter top when I was at summer camp, <laughs> and Elijah just looks at her like he's like, "Yeah, uh huh." Like, 
<laughs> I love their friendship. I think their friendship is one is is like the backbone of the show as it goes on, low key. Agree. The I think that's romance. Yeah. Um, we do. I mean, the big moment in this episode is when her relationship with Sandy ends. Um, yeah. Wait, but for, okay, but before it ends, there's like the foreshadowing of it ending, which is like the really good scene in the bathroom with Elijah. Oh yeah, that's when yeah, he's that's- like. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Is it uncomfortable to be in such a tight space with a queer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, they, it's very clear that neither Elijah nor Hannah, like, um, can stomach his, like, labeling himself as a Republican. But um, crucially for her, she can't stomach that he takes so long to read her essay. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it really is. And then he does admit that he did read the essay and he didn't like it. But he says the the thing no writer wants to hear, which is it was really well written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the uh, the trigger for their relationship falling apart. This is, okay, like setting aside whatever else we feel about Lena Dunham's choice of like, introducing this character to the show at all I feel like this back and forth they have every single line is a hit I was laughing so hard (laughs) I agree oh my god I mean when she claims to not know who Missy Elliott is after saying what did she say put this thing down flip it and reverse it yeah He said, did you just quote Missy Elliott at me? And she says, I don't know who that is. Like, okay, and then she's insane. also like, I never once thought about the fact that you were black. Uh-huh. I mean. And when, when she says, maybe you're fetishizing me, you seem to have dated yeah. a lot of white girls. I was just like, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah. It, <laughs> it, she's it, just it so all, clearly it, oh, yeah, it gaslighting. It is also funny. Like, and felt very ahead of its time, too. Like, these are the kind of SJW, I hate saying that, I'm sorry, but like SJW phrasing that like, I mean, it's kind of come full circle into being sort of a joke at this point, but mm-hmm. like this kind of speak was not really commonplace to the extent that it was in like, I don't know, 2018, 2019. Yeah. And I like... The way that I actually feel like she was really ahead of the time in terms of the way that she used that dispute and like spun it to her own ends when she gets back to the apartment and like Elijah and Marnie are in there talking about, you know, their relations and her stupid hostess outfit. Mm -hmm. And they, and she says like, we broke up and they're like, what happened? And she's like, your rights happened and your rights happened. (laughs) So you're welcome. (laughs) And they go, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she just can't look at herself and she's just gaslighting the shit out of Sandy. Yeah. Right, right. But another one I feel is maybe at least, you know, it's sort of like the Taylor Swift issue where um, like being able to label something that's deeply fucked up about yourself is not exactly the same thing as being ready to deal with it or change it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Nina Dunham in writing Hannah's response to that scene is at least aware of 
her narcissism, if not actually ready to do anything about it. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's everything on the show is so self-aware. Yeah. And I I'm seeing how people can critique Lena for being Hannah and vice versa. Like, there's a pretty clear separation to me between the character and the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you can watch this and think, oh, Lena Dunham actually thinks these things. No, it's very self-aware. The whole back and forth. Um, and I think that's maybe it didn't come across as self-aware at first in the season two, episode one, but this whole conversation really, it's Lena doubling down. Mm-hmm. Like, and then she's like eating out of the cool of container. Oh, explaining to Marty, like a whole bunch of different kinds of men like me, black men, Republicans <laughs> at Al. Like you, would, you wouldn't write that line unless you thought it was ridiculous. Exactly. We also have to point out the Donald Glover line, um, which apparently he wrote, which is like, oh, like, you're just all those white girls, something like that. And then he goes, I moved to Brooklyn and I have a fixed gear bike and I'm going to date a black guy. <laughs> so the fixed gear bike, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's too- like a stab right by the carotid artery for a lot of, <laughs> a lot of white women in that era. Oh my god. Yeah, I think this scene really makes it apparent that, you know, Lena Dunham is in on the joke. You know, maybe she didn't um handle the criticism as uh like elegantly as sh- some people wanted her to, but I think it's a good critique. Mm-hmm. Um and then the episode ends with Han- or Adam basically breaking into her house. Mm-hmm. and refusing to leave mm-hmm. as a man living my man life my desire for you cannot be repressed <laughs> yeah this was all scary he, he seemed like he was having a manic episode or something. yes yeah like, it was really scary behavior absolutely um, but all then also heartbreaking when she finally yells at him like go away go away hard. and he like gets it and he's like oh and like starts to leave and then realizes she called the police because she's a ridiculous person. Yeah. That, I mean, that is hard to see, but also just kind of, yeah, solidifies that they're both ridiculous people. Mm -hmm. Wait. And also so funny when he's like, when the cops get there and he's like, well, you used to stalk me. You showed up at my house and fucking knee socks and a Jason mask. (laughs) Oh, it's, I mean, I don't know. She's going through a lot in these two episodes. Mm -hmm. I think we should talk about Jessa before we move into the final segment. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Jessa and Thomas John are back from Jamaica. We open on the Jessa portion of the episode. She's painting Thomas John shirtless in a fedora. (laughs) Like that Williamsburg. Yeah. And she's like, I think my painting is shit. I'm so used to only painting things I hate, like my mom or, or scenery. And- <laughs> Which is also just such a Jessa oh. kind of like, yeah, that's why it's a bad painting. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a great Chris O'Dowd performance, too. He's only in this episode very briefly, but um, he's on his way out when Hannah 
comes into their apartment and mm-hmm. he says like Hannah I'm always so so impressed with what you do with what you got I mean what is that she goes the shorter alls okay he thinks she I... invented them also he calls her Dana oh, yes okay. that was Dana. driving me crazy <laughs> I had to turn on closed captioning for that part because I thought I was just hearing it wrong <laughs> no I think he was really firmly calling her Dana yeah oh my god <laughs> Um, and then he gives Jessa on his way out a basket full of puppies, which she names Garbage Fucker and Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Another... Hanukkah, Hanukkah is, is Hannah's suggestion. That's true. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Another line that's burned in my brain. She's the... also she's like Hannah's talking about how Sandy is or Donald Glover is so excited to read her essay, but it's been a few days because he's in law school, and Jessa's like. That's bullshit. Thomas John looks at my paintings the moment I show them to him. <laughs> right? Like if that's a if that as if that's the same. Um, that's so funny. Um, yeah, it's just like Jessa definitely not processing her very fast moving relationship and kind of turning it around on Hannah. I, actually, I thought I Jam- Oh, sorry. Oh no, go on, Caitlin. I was just gonna say I actually don't. I've never understood the Thomas John marriage, like what Jessa was hoping to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Like what she's supposed. I mean, I hate, I hate to talk about a TV character as if they're a real person. What the you show know, was trying to show her, <laughs> trying to get out of it. Um, I don't know. I think it was a uh, kind of just showing how lost she is, and also that she's kind of like I don't know. At the end of the day financially precarious and leaning mm-hmm. on you know finds this rich finance guy and she says yeah maybe this is it yeah because after Catherine Hahn kind of puts her in her place about being aimless and chaotic like she decides to do this like controlled chaos thing mm-hmm. by spontaneously marrying someone it's like one last hurrah almost I don't know I thought Jemima Kirk was doing like great acting work in this episode because to me, it seems like she clearly is, like, clued in on how unhappy she is and this, like, brittleness that she's projecting at the picnic is, like, she's pretending to be, like, above it. She, like, knows that she's, like, a wife now. Like, she has this, like, wife-fish experience that, like, it makes her superior to Hannah. But, like, mm-hmm. it's it's a very brittle armor that she's putting on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good, brittle is such a good term, uh, word choice for it. Um, I think if we don't have any other notes on that episode, we can get into our final segment. Okay, yeah. what's the final segment? Um, so first, which girl are you in these episodes? Which girl did you find yourself identifying with? Hmm. I feel like these seasons when I was watching them originally I was really most sympathetic to Shosh Mm -hmm. um because I was also so confused by like the politics of dating or of like trying to you know enter like this sexual world that I thought all of my friends were already in Mm -hmm. and like the stilted way in which she navigates that I think yeah was really that was hitting for me at the time on my first watch for sure. 
I feel like I honestly in these I'm usually a Hannah, but I had trouble relating to the girls in these episodes. <laughs> I'm the puppy named Hanukkah, I decided. <laughs> Drew, who are you? Yeah, I mean, I guess if we're opening it up to the non-girls characters, like, definitely <laughs> felt very Elijah-ish in this ep. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who has gone through, like, similar dating vibes and, like, I don't know. He w- I mean, it was, like, a little, like, gay best friendy in some portions of this episode, but, like, I have also been a gay best friend. So definitely feeling that. Um, if I had to pick a girl, probably Shosh by default. But that I feel like that's kind of... I mean, that's, like, our common answer for the, our second little segment, which is ranking the girls of the week. Um, I had Shosh on top of my girls ranking this week because she really stayed above it. She and Ray had a very nice time together. Then I put Jessa just because she... I mean, she's unhappy, but she's not, like, losing it yet. I thought Marnie and Hannah were in a race to the bottom this week. <laughs> I would put Hannah the lowest because her drama was really dark but marnie i mean marnie's in shambles full shambles yeah i have to my rankings are the same as yours caitlin do you have any different like what what is your take on the power pyramid i think i agree with the rankings although the just like jess's scenes are maybe the most unsettling to me Mm -hmm. but only because we just happen to know that like the law is involved in this situation Mm -hmm. like she's legally married to this person (laughs) and so that immediately darks me out more than like whatever a 24 year old is doing in any other situation but but yeah like hannah hannah's in a dark place although she is drawing her boundaries with adam i guess that's true that could be perceived as growth. Um, maybe Marnie Marnie is maybe at the bottom right now. Um, in some ways due to her own faults and in some ways due to the luck of the draw. But totally. She's at the bottom of the pack for this episode, but she is always at the top of the pack in my in my heart. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I so this is the first time I've watched the show since I originally watched it and I kind of forgot how much of season two is Marnie just gradually microdosing humiliation mm-hmm. like I think we're two or three episodes out from the stronger performance if memory serves and I don't I, I'm gonna need to be in a very good mental place when <laughs> when we cover that <laughs> because I don't think my body can handle the the amount of cringe I felt the first time watching that. Yes. Um, I actually think I've skipped, always skipped that scene during rewatches because it is so physically painful um, to see somebody do that in like a room full of people who have never met her before. Mm-hmm. Sing a Kanye song totally sincerely. <laughs> when is that episode coming? That's going to... I think it's like the midpoints or end of this season. Wow. Uh, that's going to be huge. It, it's going to be something. I One of my favorite little running Easter eggs in the show is how they gradually build up Marnie's singing career. Like from last season <laughs> when she and Elijah get into a fight about like the roles they got in college versus the karaoke now. 
it's just it's so um I mean, the payoff is terrible, but like not, no, it's not it's terrible. terrible to watch. It's glorious, but it's, it's a glory <laughs> horror. Oh, um. I love it. Caitlin, thank you so much. This was so fun. You were the perfect guest. Oh my God. Thank you guys for having me. I would love to watch girls together um, in the same room sometime. I would absolutely love that. Yeah. We should have a girls night, make themed cocktails, be really sex in the city about it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Our cocktail being like a lukewarm PBR. I was That's just what I was it. just thinking. I was wow. like, we could drink a real cocktail on this show. <laughs> for for an alternate, we could have an Audrey Gelman inspired uh, Tecate tall boy. <laughs> That's perfect. Wow. I'm glad we were all thinking the same thing about the PBR. That means it needs to happen. Yep. All right. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Like what you just heard? Go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to this on and click the donation link.